Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode called How Much Shit Should I Take? So this is for anyone who is debating whether or not they should remain in a situation. For example, let's say you have a boss who mistreats you or your partner is making you unhappy. Or maybe you have a volatile sibling or an in-law who speaks to you terribly. Um, because it can be really disorienting, especially if you've been taking this for a really, really long time. And especially if you are kind of in a... A mutually beneficial relationship like if this provides you with something like rent for example or if it if this is a grandparent and you have children like you want them to see your children so it's it can be really complicated because maybe the relationship gives you a benefit that you can't reconcile getting rid of so Maybe if it is an in-law, you know, the relationship makes your partner really happy and you feel like you can't cut off off an in-law because it'll hurt you in the fact that it hurts your partner. So it's altogether a super confusing situation. Often these kinds of relationships end up leaving you feeling guilty and like you're the one that's evil and, but you're also at the same time really hurt and you end up feeling like, you're enduring abuse, which can reduce your own confidence in the process. And maybe you've done that already. Maybe you've endured a lot of mistreatment over a long period of time, and it's kind of eroded at your sense of self. And so maybe that's why you're listening to this. So just a caveat before I go into this episode, this topic has a lot of overlap with domestic violence, and I am not addressing domestic violence in particular, Excuse me, I have dog hair on my face right now. Um, I'm not addressing domestic violence in particular because in that situation, your physical safety is of primary concern and some of the tools I'm offering might threaten that safety. So for you, I would say if you are in a DV, as they call it, that acronym, um... I'll just say domestic violence. If you're in a domestic violence situation, I would recommend that you head to a website like thehotline.org or just Google your local domestic violence resource. And just start with the process of education and know that if you are in a relationship that you have been unable to leave several times, that is normal. It's really fucking hard, but it is not impossible. It takes an average of seven to eight times to leave a violent relationship, so do not give up. Um, So with that, there are three parts to this. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. 
When someone in your life treats you with complete disdain or disrespect, and maybe that person is an alcoholic or an addict, or maybe they're aging and they have never done therapy and they have lots of emotional baggage, or maybe they're narcissistic and that's part of why they wield um, authority over you, like they are in a role that permits them to tell you what to do with little recourse. By that I mean maybe they're like a CEO or, you know, they they have control over you in like their job. So more important to this relationship is how you react to it. Whereas in another situation, you might roll up the window and say, no, thank you, goodbye, and drive away. In this situation, you end up enduring it for whatever fill-in-the-blank reason. And you end up going back for more because you cannot see an alternative. And maybe that's because you have to, because that person pays your wage, or maybe that's because you perceive that you have no other choice because that person does XYZ benefit for you. Maybe they pay half the rent. Maybe there's an emotional contract. Maybe they are your partner and you don't want to divorce them or have to cut them out of your kids slash dog slash your life. So regardless, whatever it is, in this relationship, you have made several of these calculations already. You've like weighed all of the options and you have come to the conclusion that you do not have any. Like you cannot see another way around it. So what happens is you continue to endure the mistreatment. And perhaps you try to employ as many different strategies to empower yourself as you possibly can. You try making yourself more empty, more tolerant. You try being nicer. You try leaving your body, being somewhere else mentally. You talk with friends about it, believing that you have others. Um, if other people see your side, it won't hurt as much. But maybe it just hurts and maybe it has not gotten better it's only gotten worse and you feel that because you have been kind of indoctrinated into this system of thinking for so long you cannot see what's happening any longer or whether or not maybe this is your fault like you might think like I'm maybe it is me maybe I'm not trying hard enough maybe you know I'm just being too sensitive and this is like the slippery slope of reality where you start not being able to gauge like how bad is this really? Am I, am I being irrational? I mean, after all, I'm getting lots of fill in the blank from this relationship and it makes fill in the blank happy. But at the same time, you're filled with dread, anxiety, and anguish when you think about this issue. Every time you revisit this person, the wounds are just gaping and they bleed and you hurt. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, I mean, the hippie why is there's some sort of like karmic relationship happening. And I don't know anything about reincarnation or karma from in like the Buddhist sense. But from what I understand, it's similar to just having emotional baggage. When we have an unresolved loop in our person, we repeat and feel comfortable or we get kind of stuck in situations that are similar to very early types of constructs in our lives. So some part of us is like, get stuck in the same spot, put it that way. And we end up trying to solve the same problem. Whereas other people would not get stuck there, we get something about us gets stuck in these kind of familiar situations. 
And but what I, what I mean by that is there's very likely some part of you that is um, totally unbeknownst to you accommodating this relationship in its dysfunction just by the way you relate to it. And that thing is totally invisible to you. And that might not be true for everybody listening. I would just say, in this case, just try it on for size. Just see if you can milk anything from that possibility. Just be like, eh, is this dynamic? Is this feeling similar at all to anything I've ever felt in my life growing up? Anything from my past? For example, if you have a set of experiences from when you were very young that made you believe if you just tried hard enough that you could make everything better, no matter what that thing was, that would be a loop that you would continue in other relationships that will be very easy to get stuck in. And something about your personality in this baggage will exacerbate um, a relationship with a person that's like this. And I'm not saying like you are causing this person to be a douchebag, but like your makeup is um, watering the plant that is douchebaggery in this particular relationship. So I want you to picture yourself watching a cartoon, like a generic one. Let's say it's similar to a Peanuts cartoon. And in this cartoon, someone is a bully and the other person is super nice. And the bully just is grouchy and continues to be mean. So something in our instincts expects us to see in this cartoon that we just just play it out in your mind. What happens? The nice person is nice. The bully is mean. And then the nice person is nice. And then the bully is meaner. Like in what in doing so in accommodating this person, we maintain a balance. We allow the bully to be continue to be exactly as they are. That's just how that relationship plays out. So somehow in your niceness and and or your tolerance, you are maintaining a version of homeostasis, a fucked up version of homeostasis. That doesn't mean you want this. It just means somehow unconsciously you are allowing it in part because you are used to it or you are capable of doing it. And I say used to it not meaning that it's ever been less terrible than it is. I'm just more saying that you didn't arrive here overnight. It's otherwise you wouldn't be in this situation. Some part of your personality is perfect, like a perfect climate for this person to be the way they are. And you likely can't see what that is. You can look at um, all relationships, wherever they end up. Like you can look at the way that they are built often as like a process of grooming. And grooming is like a disgusting term. <laughs> It's an awful, awful topic to bring up, but it's similar in that, so grooming is the term used to describe abusers and how they train their prey to be accepting of the pending abuse. So it's basically manipulation, but it's, it's basically when a person plays on someone's need to be polite or liked or loved and portrays a certain scenario in order to gain uh, access to all of their weak points. So I bring up grooming because I feel like in these types of relationships or these types of situations, we have been kind of groomed in order to get to that point. It didn't happen overnight. It was a very slow process 
of titration of, of giving you a little bit more and a little bit more and then seeing if you fight back and then like kind of punishing you and manipulating you making you feel dumb for fighting back um and then they slowly get a hold on you in your case there was likely some or is still likely some form of grooming that promotes you being wrong and crazy and them being a victim with no other options than to be exactly the way they are or maybe you've talked yourself into being crazy because of just what happens when you do confront it. Maybe when you confront it, like, shit gets really terrible and it's just not worth it to you. So you're like, I, you know what, I'm just going to be okay with it. I'm going to be fine with it. Things are going to be okay. I will also say there is learned helplessness. That's a big factor in relationships like this. When you repeatedly watch your conditions not changing... You learn to believe that they cannot change because they haven't for X amount of time. There are terrible, there are terrible examples of this in like animal studies that I'm not going to tell you about because why? Um, but learned helplessness is a real thing. Like if you, for you know, a year, watch yourself just witness things being really fucked up and not doing anything about them. There's some part of your brain that will watch your body not doing anything and assume you are not capable of it just because, because of that track record. That is totally a false truth, though. Like, that is um, learned paralysis. So in summary, you got here because of an increasing tolerance to worse and worse conditions combined with a thick form of confusion. Most of the time when we get in these types of situations, we kind of learn not to trust ourselves and we start to not listen to ourselves and we think, we, we just get confused as to what is up and what is down because somebody or two people or the person we care about in this situation is telling us we're wrong or telling us it's not that bad or telling us a rationale for why we should be okay with it. Therefore, identifying the problem and the severity of the solution, or sorry, the severity and the solution have become impossible. Like we've lost all scale of understanding the truth because of just the time and the, the connections we have, the emotional connections we have to the situation. Because there are all these different heartstrings attached emotionally, it's we have feelings in opposite directions that we can't really reconcile. Um, and I'm sure if you're in this relationship, you likely care about this person. Or, you know, they f maybe you feel like they're the only one who loves you in this particular way. Or you are afraid of losing them. Or maybe you're reliant on them for survival. Um, or perhaps the other, other people in, you life that you, in your life that you care about are reliant on them. So no matter which way you slice it, it's a catch-22. There is no clean and simple solution. You can't get out of it because that will hurt and damage all these other things. So in other words, nothing you can reach toward as a goal. Like, you don't know what to wish for. If you're wishing for something, you're like, I don't want to wish for this to them to be gone. So what the fuck do I do? Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. All right, the first tool is called Basic Human Kindness. BHK. 
So this is basically your cheat sheet. This is your bar or treatment from all others. It's that simple. You can orient yourself to how you are being treated by trading out you for a stranger on the street or a cashier at the grocery store. Is this person treating you less well than a stranger or a cashier or a fill-in-the-blank person that you would meet in a day in your life? Then this relationship needs to change. This is like a ruler for what is acceptable and not acceptable. So if you have dipped below that, then there is an alarm bell going off in your soul. Like poison is seeping in and it will toxify your identity by making you slowly believe that you deserve it. Like all poisons, we develop a slight tolerance. Like we stop being able to taste it and then we can take more of it, which is altogether like the worst thing you could possibly do because one day you will feel completely worthless and hollow and you will expect it and accept it and you get, you can tolerate way worse treatment. So if you are recognizing that you do not receive basic human kindness and respect and you're asking yourself, how do I change this? Your, your greatest power, really your only power, lies, actually I shouldn't say that. You, you likely have other power, but I don't know your particular situation, so I can't answer that specifically. But one power we all have is access to ourselves. That is a very powerful tool. You can remove access to yourself in one of several ways. Uh, and the short of this is you just need to know how to do that in a way that is appropriate for you and safe for you. And by limiting access to yourself, I mean limiting the abuse you are receiving from this person um, and also voicing your needs. I know when it comes to people who are not capable of understanding us and our pain and who we are and people who do not respond to our needs with respect or respond to them at all, it can feel really futile to do this. But in my opinion, it is vital to our own perception of ourselves and our autonomy to voice our opinions and our needs and what we want from others, even if we know that it's not going to go anywhere. Just that act in itself is important for us in our self-respect. Second tool is basic human kindness for yourself. So I wanted to ask you if you are being kind to yourself, as kind to yourself as you might be to a stranger or even, you know, a random ticket taker on train. Meet the same bar I've described just now when it comes to you on you. What are you asking yourself to endure? What are you asking yourself to tolerate? If you are, if, if it was like a random stranger in the room and, <coughs> excuse me, this person was treating that person that way, would you allow that? Or would you be like, I'm sorry, just get you, here, let me escort you out of this place right away. Do that for you. That's just like an easy cheat sheet. No, that's not cool. That's pretty, uh, pretty awful for anybody. I don't think I'm going to allow that to happen to me. Uh, the next tool, boundary setting reps. So I'm guess I'm guessing that over time your boundaries have gotten worn down over the last few months or last few years. So this is really just, I want you to start practicing and forcing them once again in just really tiny ways. Um, and by that I mean like 
if uh, if somebody doesn't respect your time, try setting a very tiny, easy, minute time boundary. Like, I'm not going to answer my phone between these hours, the hours I don't want to be harassed by this person. I, I mean, that might feel really major to you. Whatever it is, like, think about the thing that this person does to betray your boundaries the most. Um, let's say it's in what they expect you to do, uh, I don't know, let's say chores. You're going to set a boundary that means that you are not cleaning up for them. I don't know. I feel like you've got to spend some time and think about, like, what's one thing that I can do to protect myself in this one area where I am hurt and something that's very accessible to you now, something low barrier for entry. The next tool, the five lifelines. So if you are in a relationship like this, often we get really isolated and we get really overwhelmed because we are in it by ourselves. And the best thing you could do in a situation like that is reduce your level of isolation on this topic in particular. So you have five lifelines right now. I'm going to go through them. First one, talk to a friend or a parent. Tell them about what's happening. Second one, talk to yourself. Literally dialogue back and forth about what to do in this situation. Third one, talk to a therapist or a social worker. A lot of places have free drop-ins. Like if you're really struggling with something, Google free therapy in your neighborhood. Uh, one, two, three. Fourth one, talk to a stranger, a.k.a. I would say Google your type of relationship and look for a helpline. I remember I used to talk to people, strangers on the bus about stuff like this because it was safer than talking to family at the time. Um, and then the last one, talk to the universe. And I, I mean, do this even if you don't believe in any of that stuff. Don't roll your eyes at me, just do it. Just talk to no one and ask for help and ask for guidance. Ask for a sign, one that makes sense to you. Just do it. Even if you're like, this is total bullshit, just do it anyway. Because we don't have to do this stuff alone. Thank God we don't have to do it alone. We never have to do it alone. And if you are doing it alone right now, welcome in new help, new support, new backup. And make it a little bit of a bunch of other people's problem. And you'll find you feel so much stronger and more comfortable with the situation just because there are other people thinking on it too. All right, the next tool, formalize the problem, a.k.a. reality is your bestie. So I want you to write down a thorough description of what is happening to you in a journal or somewhere. And just basically make it real. Make it a, a thing. Make it a deal. A lot of the time when we don't address things like this, we talk ourselves out of it being a thing. Like We're like, meh, what am I going to do about it? So just write in detail what is happening and after you write this I want you to ask yourself where do I have any control um, spoiler alert the answers to this 
half of the journal entry will probably rest heavily on you and what you allow into your psyche and like what you can do for yourself about yourself. Um, and if you can't get this person out of your life because like they're your caregiver, for example, then your power will lie in how you negotiate access to your mind and your feelings. But this exercise is really about embracing the reality and getting intimate with it. And don't let this be um, a bad or scary thing. This is, it's not to get you overwhelmed. All of this information is really helpful and it's positive because it dictates where you will go from here. So it's like real, really about building a solid jumping off point. So welcome in all the insights, all the facts of your situation. And don't jump into the future yet. This is not about solving it. It's just about examining every fact of your situation. Just write it all down like, you know, you're drawing a map of a house with holes in the roof. Like there's one here, there's one here, there's one here, there's one here. This is when it leaks. This is the type of weather that makes it leaky. All right, the next tool is called tip the balance or alter the rhythm. So because this relationship has a certain homeostasis that's built on sickness and unhealth, there's something you can do to just get a little bit of perspective that is basically altering the balance by zagging, by changing something about your expected or typical response. So when you would normally respond in a particular way, that let's say does not voice your opinion, try doing it the opposite way. And just examine what happens when you do this. What, what happens when you create change in this situation? Because when we don't fill the position we have previously filled, we create space. We leave a gap. We create openness for new outcomes. And I know I said this already, but if you're in a domestic violence relationship, don't do this one. Um, but you can think of this relationship like a system that reinforces itself like in a circle. It's a loop. They expect a certain response and they push you into that response and then you fulfill the response and it reinforces it. So by changing your part, you break down that rhythm and you break the loop. And this allows for a different future. It brings consciousness, sorry, yeah, it brings consciousness to the unconscious. So if you would normally get you know, react by getting upset and feeling clingy and feeling guilty. What's the zag to that? Do the opposite. Instead of feeling upset and clingy, laugh and then make plans with a friend. Change your reaction in any direction that leads toward autonomy and me on me and me having fun with me. So the inverse of isolation. So you're tipping the balance in the direction of inviting support or community or light into the situation. All right, the next tool pros and cons list. This is kind of a no-duh one, but I want you to look at whether or not this relationship is a 50-50 split. Like, is this a good relationship to have in your life? Are the benefits equal to the downfalls? And keep that list going. Really objectively look at the good and the bad and see if those columns are even. I know that sometimes when we write this list, we fear leaving like we're we'll jump to that future position of like but i can't leave but i can't but i can't but that's not what this list is about it's just about getting intimate and falling in love with reality just see it for what it is build up your connection to the sweet sweet beautiful goddess that is reality because that informs a lot of your thinking 
and the, a lot of your emotional relationship to this situation in a really good way. It'll allow you to emotionally detach from things that perhaps you are unaware of right now that are causing you to feel beholden. If that makes sense. All right, the next tool is called Invisible Bestie. Spoiler, your Invisible Bestie is named Truth. <laughs> All right, so I want you to commit to the truth. I want you to picture you have an invisible best friend named Truth, and he or she or they are awesome. Or you could call them Truthy. How about that? So Truthy loves you. And I want you to make a commitment to Truthy. And by that I mean I want you to accept it, welcome it, chase it, hunt for it, try and seek it out, listen for it. This is the most important invisible best friend for you to have at all times because it sets you free. It takes the onus off of you to try and solve something or change something because it just is. And if you are aligning yourself with truth or truthy, you have done your job. You are tracking with what needs to happen, including what will free you and support you and forgive you by default um, just in the moments that you're hurting. So just follow along with it, hold hands with it. Look at it, listen to it, what it's showing you, and act from that place always. Because when you look at the truth, it's such a relief. It can never be wrong, including if you have a certain feeling or fear. Just say it. Like, say the fear out loud, confront it, listen to it, embrace it. If something is impossible, not working, say it. That's it. That's the voice of truthy. This is your ticket and your guide toward everything you want out of your life truth will always show you how to get there and if we hide from it we don't listen to it we think it's too inconvenient we end up in a dungeon where we can't see what is up or down so if you feel like you're in the dungeon right now get outside and lie on the grass somewhere if you can and just speak aloud truths that you know right now to the sky or if you have a carpet do that just lie on the carpet Close your eyes, face the sky, and just start speaking out loud different truths. I feel like this is a really helpful exercise um, just to, like, clear our bodies. Um, if you feel weird about doing either of those, whisper it to a tree or an animal or just whisper it into your pillow. Um, but the reason I'm suggesting this is because when you start from reality... And you start from truth and you don't go into solving. You don't go into rationalizations or what you have to do about it, what you can't do about it. When you just look at exactly everything that exists, you can, you build a proper foundation for the appropriate action and feeling to come about. Because I think what we do a lot of the time is we negate our right to feel hurt or sad and we swallow it and we say we're not going to feel that way and then we end up in worse and worse situations and we get to a point where we don't even realize what we feel anymore but we know things are really bad and that's the dungeon that's the dungeon I'm describing so when you're living in the confrontation of truth that's when we have the feedback we need to activate our bodies to get the right help we need. That's like, oh wow, the thermometer says 104.5. I need to go to the hospital. That's what truth does for us. 
And oftentimes that'll be a very inconvenient thing because we'll be like, I don't know, I, I can't do anything though, but I can't do anything. That's what forces us to figure out new things to do. And I know that sounds like, you know, I'm oversimplifying it. It's not going to be easy a lot of the time. It's not going to be convenient. And a lot of the time it's not going to be fun. But it makes really positive change happen. It makes really difficult and major change happen. Conflict is what forces it to occur. And giving us um, the right feedback emotionally to reality can be a beautiful and amazing cathartic experience, especially if you share it with other people. I know you probably heard me talk about Al-Anon or health group health groups on other shows. This would be a perfect environment to be able to discuss truth. And you'll find that you feel like so alive and so human and so loved by strangers. I hope you can tell how much I love you in your pain. Just, and not, I don't know you, but in your ability to face up to your own pain, I feel love for you in that moment. And that's exactly what you will get in those, in those rooms. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I digress. Okay, my next tool, floodlights. So this is a rule of thumb for you just in the coming weeks and months. Turn the floodlights on on this situation. If you're feeling frustrated, talk about it. If you're feeling neglected, wounded, disrespected, crazy, talk about it. I think this is just a great, a great cure for like unhealth. It's like opening a window. Like you need fresh air. We need to welcome in new insights. We need to welcome in new information. We need education. We need to not hide and uh, bury our heads in the sand. We need to bring in newness and more um, perspective, more insight. We need to look at it head on and just be like, what can I get out of this? How can I study this more intimately? Um, what would a, this other person think of it? What would a book think of this? What would uh, a YouTube video think of this? So expose it to the light of day and to higher levels of thinking. Smarter, more logical, less emotional thinking. And help group is super helpful in a situation like this, especially if you are in a community um, that, let's say you're you're in a community that doesn't welcome turning on the floodlights or welcoming in truth then all the more reason you need to go outside of this community um, for resources, for help. And also just heads up, there are help groups online. There's also online therapy. So don't stop your research just because you don't find the right help right away. So I hope this is helpful. I know it can be really overwhelming, um, but you don't deserve to be treated like shit. And... If you are not being treated just like a, a stranger on the street, that's not cool. That's not okay. And if you're, for example, a caregiver, I know that that can be a very difficult situation. Like if you're caring for someone with dementia, that's its own ball of yarn that I feel like you need resources more than a lot of people need resources. So they're, at the very least, Google caregiver burnout resources just so you can work on the titrating the amount of abuse that is um that seeps in 
it's it's doubly important for you because you are a caregiver. I should do an episode on that. Um, I digress. Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Melanie and Lee and Marja or Marha, and a new monthly sponsor, Akari, and another new monthly sponsor, Zan. Thank you guys so, so, so much. I appreciate you hugely. And anyone out there who has the means to make a donation, they really, really help me make this show. If you don't have the means, totally understand. Um, All of you students out there, if you have the time to give a review on iTunes, I read all the reviews and then I like cry. Some of them are just so sweet and touching. I thank you so very much. Or if you guys could share it with a friend who needs this, I appreciate that as well. So in closing, negativity and conflict are important feedback like it's an important information to have and therefore we at some level need to embrace it because it's an important opportunity for positive change and growth to occur like we need to have this feedback to give us energy to activate and create change it's the same reason that anger in these situations is important information to have because it activates us to protect ourselves And yeah, it doesn't feel good ever to be in a situation like this and to feel upset and hurt or angry or offended. None of that is ever good. It's never convenient. And it's never something we've like welcomed or chosen. It's like, and and to, to really feel it can feel like we're making bad things bigger by focusing on the negative. But I will say when you're in a relationship like this where somebody is really abusive toward you, um, for us to accommodate it is actually the more dangerous mindset. Like that's the unhealthy mindset and that can reinforce it. Like that can get us stuck in those relationships. So in order to rebuild and keep strong, um, we have to grow up. Like we have to straighten up our back and hold our boundaries and get firm and get tough and get clear headed. And we have to, build a new set of tools that doesn't feel natural to us. And we have to make harder rules. And we have to speak with someone else's louder, firmer voice. And we have to go to the head doctor and work on our shit. And it's never supposed to be smooth or easy or happy or simple. Stuff like this is not by default going to be easy or casual or, you know, a simple like, I'm sorry, it's over now. Okay, yay. It's just because we are creating change in a dynamic it will be uncomfortable and it will have friction and it'll feel like icky and weird to us it'll feel foreign and unusual and that signals that we are correcting something and growing and that is a great thing by investing in our health the health of this relationship you are loving this relationship you are valuing it you are bringing it to life and you are investing it in it you are giving both of you new soil and that's true love i would say like that's true compassion by confronting and taking it serious um taking it seriously you are you give it the opportunity to grow healthier happier and longer in you know a totally new form and that is the truest form of love. It's the form of love that is really hard and 
It means you mean it. So I would say don't hide from this and wish it away. Welcome the blood to flow into these limbs once again. And come back to life and enjoy, you know, this connection for what it could be. Um, and I will say, like, if things appear like they're a little bit better after you have one tough talk, don't will yourself back into ignorance. Because this type of dynamic takes maintenance and attention. And it takes continuously working on yourself. Because you'll have to face hard truths in the moments they arise in the future. And that is how you stay healthy and loving, by being loving to yourself and respecting that self and honoring what, you know, this relationship means to you. So once you commit to honesty with yourself, things will get super simple. And things don't make you feel guilty anymore. They don't make you feel confused anymore because they just are. And that is a beautiful thing because all you have to do is float. You have to confront reality when it shows up and then act accordingly. It's just that simple. And that's freeing because everything is not up to you to fix or solve. Sometimes they're just, you know, the outcome will be something shitty that you don't want. But even that is a beautiful thing you will welcome because you didn't have to wish it away or fear it or hide from it. It's like it takes so much work off your plate. And it's so, it's such a relief. My favorite slogan from Al-Anon is, if I got to decide my life, I'd always end up shorthanded. And that is applicable to all of us. Think about it right now. If you got to choose what you wanted always, and you got what you wanted always, think back on your life. Like, think about that, what your life would be in high school. And if that was true, like, what would your life look like now? It would probably, if you got everything you wanted in high school, you, you'd be with the fling you had in high school. And you'd be living in, I don't know, think through that scenario. I would bet that it would not be the life that would make you happy today. So truth will always lead us to something better if we can confront it and follow it and commit to it and let the rest go. Because whatever happens, it just is. It's not your fault if you try your best. It just is. It's not your job to control, control the world. And thank fucking God for that. So I really hope this is helpful. And I send you my love. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.